This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, I'm Michael Buckley at the Bright Focus Foundation. Welcome to today's Bright Focus chat, Inflammation in Early AMD. This chat will be the second in a recent series where we highlight research that has been funded by Bright Focus Foundation's Macular Degeneration Research Program and discuss how this research might impact you. We'd like to welcome both of our speakers today, Dr. Inram Bhutto, is an MD-PhD at Johns Hopkins Wilmer Eye Institute, and his colleague and collaborator on this most recent project is also with us today, Dr. Gerard Jerry Luddy, also from the Wilmer Eye Institute at Johns Hopkins. Their research, which spans two Bright Focus-funded projects, has many implications for both wet and dry AMD. We'll begin to explore that in just a minute. If today's your first time joining us on a Bright Focus chat, welcome. Let me take a moment to tell you about Bright Focus and what we'll do today. Bright Focus funds some of the top scientists in the world, such as the two on today's call. We support research that is trying to find cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's. We share the latest news from these scientists with families that are impacted by these diseases. We have a number of free publications and plenty of materials on our website, brightfocus.org. We also have information on every single grant that we're funding in our program if you're interested in learning more. Bright Focus chats such as today are another way of sharing this information with families. During each chat, you'll have the opportunity to submit questions. While we don't always have a chance to answer all of them during the chat, we do save them to ask during future chats. Now let's turn to Dr. Budo and Dr. Luddy. Thank you for joining us today. Research such as what you work on really helps us better understand uh, AMD. And one of the questions we get most frequently is, people that are looking for hope for new treatments. So before we turn to that, let's just start with a very basic question for both of you. Um, what inspired you to, to be an AMD researcher? And would either one of you can go first. So I'll start first. This is Jerry Luck. Um, uh, my two mentors uh, at Johns Hopkins actually paved the way for me to study AMD. Uh, one of them was Bernie Hockheimer, who designed the cameras that allowed us to look better at the eye and actually to look eventually at the choroid, the tissue that Imran and I specialize in. And my second mentor was Arno Patz, who was an angiogenesis uh, early pioneer, angiogenesis being the growth of new blood vessels. So as I began to study choroid, I first studied its development and then how it deteriorated in diseases like AMD. And I'm driven on uh, to find a cure by the fact that my mother actually had wet AMD in both eyes when she passed away. Hi, uh, this is Imran Bhutto. Um, so, um, actually, when I uh, completed my uh, MD uh, and uh, started as a, a general ophthalmologist, so I started my research uh, uh, as well. And um, so I went to the Japan for a PhD in uh, ophthalmology. So my focus was interest uh, uh, in attempt to interpret the normal and pathologic features of the choroid especially of small animals such as rats and mice, um, because the, these small animals are considered to be a useful experimental models for several choroidal diseases, and because it's easy to treat small animals. So when I started my research, in the meantime, I um, met uh, Jerry Luddy and uh, 
uh, his uh, interest in choroid inspired me. And uh, as uh, I just mentioned that uh, I was in Japan, so uh, and uh, I had only uh, the opportunity to study in small animals, but uh, in Jerry Lottie's lab, they are extensively uh, studying the human uh, donor eyes. So that and uh, and also I found that the AMD is really a very devastating disease of uh, uh, humans. So that's all that inspired me, and then I came to join Dr. Uh, Jerry Luddy's lab, and, and now I have been 15 years. Uh, we are working together on the human donor eyes, diagnosed with AMD. Well, that's great. Thank you very much for the two of you. It's really interesting to hear uh, your motivations and appreciate you, you know, on behalf of everybody at Bright Focus, dedicating your your careers to to this disease. And, and Dr. Budo, uh, you met you when you mentioned a minute ago that how AMD is is so debilitating. I think you're you know you're, you're exactly right. It, it seems how it, how much it affects daily life, daily tasks such as reading, driving, identifying faces that you may see across the room or across the street, you know, watching television, navigating stairs. It just it just seems to get it really cuts to the core of daily life. Um, before we get into um, some topics of inflammation, would one of you be able to provide just a very basic understanding of what causes AMD? Yeah, so I don't think that we really know what causes AMD, but we do know risk factors, so things that uh, make people prone to have AMD. And the first, of course, is genetics, which is a very new development. But we now have a series of 12 genes that if they are mutated, uh, people that have that mutation or change in the gene code uh, have a propensity to get AMD. The second uh, biggest risk factor is smoking, and we can talk about that a little later on uh, as we um, move into some other topics. But smoking is incredibly destructive, not just to lungs, but to other tissues in the body because of its many toxins. And what we found uh, also as a causal, perhaps, uh, uh, thing for AMD would be cardiovascular disease. So many of the subjects that we have studied uh, in cadaver eyes, as Imran mentioned, uh, have some sort of cardiovascular disease or hypertension. So we think that having a poor blood supply to the eye and especially to choroid uh, really uh, affects uh, the choroid and has uh, may lead to age-related macular degeneration. Well, great. Thank you for that overview. Now, today's topic has to deal with inflammation, and you know, for a lot of us, inflammation is a word they may associate with, um, uh, you know, sports injuries and in, in, you know, in the knee or the, the elbow, whatever. Could you tell us a little bit about inflammation that's related to AMD and why is it why is it so um, so important into in related to developing AMD. Uh, so maybe I'll take that one. Uh, so inflammation is actually the body's response to not just injury, as you mentioned, Michael, uh, but to foreign substances or organisms. And of course, uh, smoking is a foreign substance. Uh, and in inflammation, uh, the white blood cells. Uh, become activated, so your immune system becomes activated, and they respond to the injury uh, 
for the foreign material by releasing molecules that activates other parts of the immune system and its cells. So in choroid, which we're going to talk about uh, extensively today, there are actually two kinds of immune cells or white blood cells. They are mast cells, M-A-S-T, and macrophages. So should I define those? Or? Yeah, please do. That. Thank you. So a mast cell uh, is a cell that is a first responder. It, uh, you'll be, everybody is familiar with a bee sting or a snake bite or a poison ivy, for instance. Uh, the cells that respond first to that are mast cells. And their response is they become activated and they release a lot of materials into the environment. Um, the second uh, inflammatory cell in choroid is a macrophage. And these cells uh, migrate to uh, foreign particles or dying cells and actually devour those uh, cells or material. Uh, we have found in our studies also, not only are mast cells activated, but macrophages are activated in the AMD choroid. Well, thank you. Um, now, is, is inflammation, is it a risk for both dry and wet AMD? Yes. yes. We, we have found uh, both cells activated in uh, both diseases, and Imran has done... Uh, several studies where he looked at the proteins that were in uh, choroid and retina, and he finds a lot of inflammatory proteins. Uh, do you, you want to mention? Yeah, for instance, the uh, CRP, C-reactive proteins, and, uh, uh, which is, uh, we found a very significantly elevated levels of CRPs in AMD choroid. And also, at uh, the same time, we also uh, see the complement factor H uh, was also uh, declined. And uh, we have also found the complements like C C3A, C5A were uh, significantly accumulated in AMD choroids. That's interesting. I understand your research has got has looked at uh, antioxidants and a lot of us, you know, who who you know, read newspapers or TV news or the internet, hear a lot about antioxidants. Um, could you tell us like how this is important to eye health? Uh, sure. Um, so antioxidants. Well, first of all, an antioxidant is something that your body can make uh, in uh, defense of what we call oxygen radicals or reactive oxygen radicals. So oxygen radicals are molecules that have an extra charge, so an extra negative or positive charge, and that makes them reactive. So if they bump into another molecule, they can actually change that molecule so it doesn't work. If they bump into, say, the membranes of a cell, they can actually cause that membrane uh, to, have, to not work correctly or actually open up. Uh, releasing the contents of the cell. So, uh, again, it's, it's hard not to talk about smoking because smoking has uh, a lot of oxygen radicals in it and oxygen radical generating molecules. And uh, 
as I said, your body makes several uh, antioxidants. So these are molecules that will scavenge or destroy the oxygen radicals. But as you age, you have you make less of those. And uh, that's why uh, a while ago, and I think uh, if I'm not correct, you all discussed at one point the ARIDS study, A-R-E-D-S, uh, which was a study that looked at antioxidants that you could take, uh, that were taken to see if it would affect uh, progression of AMD. And indeed, there was a slight uh, protection against progression of AMD. But I also would point out, so those were supplements that eating healthy will give you antioxidants. So green vegetables, fruits and vegetables all have antioxidants. So you don't necessarily have to take a pill, but the pill really uh, bolsters the antioxidants in your blood. Well, great. Uh, thank you. And just to remind our, our listeners that at any time you can press star three to briefly leave the call to ask a question. And I want to take a question about antioxidants that just came in from uh, John from Minnesota. Um, I think this is very well-timed. He's wondering what about the specific composition of, um, of AREDS? So I guess just sort of back up if you could tell some of our listeners a little more about AREDS. And, and John's wondering about the specific composition, such as, um, such as lutein or, or, else, or elsewhere. So I wonder if you could, um, if either Dr. Budo or Dr. Luddy could just you know, elaborate a little bit on what is in AREDS, you know, so when someone's looking for that uh, at the store, you know, um, what should they, what should guide them? Yeah, so there's now, I think we're on the third formulation of AREDS antioxidants, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the original AREDS formulation perhaps wasn't the best uh, grouping of antioxidants, and one that was in there actually was quickly removed in ARIDS-2, and that's beta-carotene. Uh, beta-carotene was found to uh, be associated with cancer in smokers that took beta-carotene supplements. So recently, um, they have taken out some of the original antioxidants, and they've added, as you mentioned, or John mentioned, lutein and zeaxanthine. These are natural antioxidants, and they occur in the macula uh, in retina, which is the site where uh, AMD is most devastating, so the macula being the center of vision. And when you look into your eye, you will see this yellowish um, color in the macula, uh, which is the presence of lutein and zeaxanthine. So now that new ARIDS formula, uh, and when you look on the shelf, it'll say ARIDS formula plus lutein and zeaxanthine. That seems to be the one that's favored at this point in time. Well, great. Thank you. And you know, because that information is, is so important, uh, it will be included in the transcript of this call. Um, which will be available uh, at our, our website, bright, brightfocus.org. But I also want to let people know that we provide several uh, materials on macular degeneration that are free, um, both online and in print. And we have one particular called Macular Degeneration Essential Facts, and that lists, um, that, in, that spells out the, the ARIDS 2 recommendation for the supplement formula. So the free publication, Macular Degeneration Essential Risks, uh, we can send that out to you if you want to stay on the line at the end of the call or you can call us at, at any time. 
uh, toll-free at 855-345-6637. Again, 855-345-6637, and it's called Macula Degeneration, The Essential Facts, and it lists, um, uh, among other helpful information, the, the, the ARIDS-2 recommendations. So it's um, very, very timely. We also just got a question about, um, you made some great points a minute ago about smoking. And we have a, uh, a caller wondering, does the risk continue um, even after you stop smoking, um, the, the impact of, uh, of, of smoking, does that continue to be a risk factor even after you've stopped? Uh, it, it is, yes, but, but uh, the risk becomes reduced, right, reduced. Uh, as you uh, have years away from smoking. Well, we, uh, when we studied uh, the human uh, donor chloride, so uh, we uh, also found uh, the past smokers, the histopathological changes are there. So I believe it's, it's continue affecting even mm -hmm. after stopping smoking for a while. But it is additive. So if yeah. you stop, then you're not adding in any more of the chemicals or adding or harming any the tissue any further. So it certainly is good to quit. Yeah. And, um, I would no, also I, I know we're we're the audience is looking for recommendations. Uh and another recommendation would be I mentioned cardiovascular disease would be just the gentle exercise that is recommended for seniors. Um, that is going to increase or re reduce your cardiovascular disease, increase your circulation to all tissues, but in the case of what we're talking about, cir circulation to the eye. So you want to keep your blood moving, basically. Well, that, that's great advice. We hear a lot about healthy aging, but I think it's one of those things people might not always know what it means or, or, why, or why it's important. And, and um, as you and, and perhaps our audience knows, Bread Focus also funds Alzheimer's disease research. And, and it's really interesting to see um, the, broad, uh, the broad benefits across diseases of, of, stop, of not smoking and, and a good diet and, and, and remaining uh, you know, as physically active as possible. So it's for the two of you. Um, when you look down the road, um, uh, you know, from the, the type of research that you that you're working on, do you do you think it's possible this could lead to to, to future treatments for AMD? Uh, we hope so. Actually, uh, I, I'll let Imran maybe uh, go a little further on the mast cell story, um, and then I'll maybe pipe in about uh, therapies that could result from our findings. How's that? Sure. Great. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Uh, as uh, with the with the uh, Bright Focus Foundation support, uh, we recently have studied the uh, human choroids diagnosed with the uh, AMD. Uh, the uh, I, I will just mention here um, the very brief that AMD actually uh, clinically subdivided into several stages: uh, early, uh, intermediate, uh, and then the advanced. So again, advanced uh, has a two subtypes, uh, which called the VAT or the exudative, and the other is the geographic atrophy that we call GA. So I'm not going to details about this, but uh, so we had uh, all three, uh, uh, you know, clinically diagnosed uh, AMD donor eyes, 
and also we have uh, the aged controls uh, which had no evidence of uh, AMD disease. Uh, so we studied the, the choroids uh, from uh, these um, uh, human donor eyes and uh, we, we actually look at the number of mast cells, uh, the, the total numbers and the degenerated mast cells. Um, so we found that uh, these uh, mast cells were significantly increased in coral areas in all forms of AMD, early, dry, or wait. And uh, so these uh, the areas where we had the greatest number of uh, degenerated mast cells also had loss of choriocapillaries. The choriocapillaries is the, the choroid vasculature that uh, supplies the uh, nutrients to the outer retina. So um, these, uh, you know, uh, increased number of uh, mast cells and the degranulation we observed in AMD choroids, uh, which suggested that uh, the mast cells degranulation may be contributing to the pathogenesis of AMD. Yes. Yeah, so uh, mast cells are interesting because, uh, as I mentioned, it's simple things like poison ivy can uh, cause the mast cells to get activated and degranulate the way Imran said. Um, but it happens also in the front of the eye uh, when a person encounters an allergen in the environment and the white part of their eye becomes very red. Well, that redness is because mast cells have degranulated, released their contents. So there are drugs that um, can be used to stop the mast cells from degranulating, and they're used in that case, which is called conjunctivitis. So uh, we will, in the future, um, look at some of these drugs, and some of them are actually generic. Uh, so we could advance pretty quickly to using them in humans. But right now, uh, we're developing an animal model. Imran is developing an animal model that will tell us uh, how important the mast cell degranulation is in making the eye look like an AMD eye. So once we have that model, then we can start to evaluate some of these drugs and say whether they should perhaps go to clinic or not. Well, great. Thank you. Um, uh, we're getting some great questions in from our listeners. Uh, I just want to remind people that if you'd like to uh, ask a question, it's press star three. Before we turn to some of the some of the questions that have just come in, I also want to remind people of a, a uh, another free resource that we have at Bright Focus. It's a nice, simple card. It fits in your coat pocket or your bag, and it's called the Top Five Questions to Ask Your Eye Doctor. Helps you prepare ahead of time. And it's it's a nice, simple front-back card. It's called Top 5 Questions to Ask Your Eye Doctor. And you can stay on the line at the end of this call, and we'll be glad to mail that out. Um, So, Dr. Sputo and Lottie, uh, a few questions. I'll let you pick who wants to answer them. Uh, One of them, uh, one caller was wondering, can flossing your teeth help prevent inflammation that might be harmful to the eye? Hmm. (laughs) Boy, I sure don't. I don't know that. (laughs) All right. All right. Yeah, but... Okay. Yeah, they're talking about the importance of your uh, biome in your gut, which, of course, the mouth leads to the gut. But uh, nobody's really looked at that in terms of AMD that AMD? I know of. Yeah. No, that's very yeah. interesting. Though. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, something. Well, uh, think about our next uh, next question. Getting back to the smoking, um, 
What about cigar smoke? Does that also contain uh, the oxidants that, that, that you talked about a few minutes ago? Absolutely. But, I mean, the saving grace is a lot of cigar smokers don't inhale. But if you inhale cigars, they're just as bad as cigarettes. Well, good uh, Good to know. Another, another caller is wondering, um, she's heard that uh, Caucasian women are at greater risk of AMD, and she's wondering, is that true, and if so, uh, why? Well, that is true, and we actually do not know why that is. Uh, it is very interesting that uh, African Americans and Africans uh, do not get uh, AMD. Very, very rarely do they get AMD. So there is a pigmentation uh, propensity for AMD, um, but uh, there have been many studies uh, to look at that, um, and. Uh, well, you want to add something, Emron? Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. So, like Jerry uh, said, that uh, the Caucasians uh, and have, uh, I think, a lack of uh, the melanins. These are the dark pigmented uh, uh, things uh, uh, in eye. Are in Caucasians, they are lacking that. Uh, that's the one of probably uh, the reason that uh, the Caucasians get. Uh, uh, AMD than the African Americans. And what about the gender difference? <laughs> we, well, females live longer than males. Yeah. So, yeah. And age is, of course, uh, also, I didn't mention that, but age is uh, probably well, the second greatest risk factor. Yeah, but I think uh, the latest research uh, doesn't uh, show any significant differences. I think that both genders are equally affected, uh, the male and female. Yeah. What's Does this vary by like exposure to environmental factors like sun and uh, and other things that we you know factors we either could control or or are just a function of where we live in the world? Well, that uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, I think live in the world would be more related to maybe eating fish, eating a healthy diet as opposed to red meat. Uh, so people that have a dominant fish diet have a lesser incidence of AMD. Uh, but there was a great study done at Johns Hopkins in terms of the light exposure, so uh, done by Sheila West, who looked at watermen. These are guys that work on the Chesapeake Bay uh, on fishing boats, basically, and they're exposed to huge amounts of sunlight. And uh, she compared their eyes and their eye disease to minors who, for at least eight hours a day, see no light whatsoever. And the hypothesis was that the light-exposed uh, people would have more AMD than the minors, and that did not turn out to be true. There was a, a difference in one small thing, actually, and it was uh, these pigmented cells that move onto cornea. They were more prominent in uh, watermen. So light exposure, although it makes sense because that can induce oxidative stress, the uh, experimental studies have not been able to link it to AMD or not. Hmm, that's that's interesting. Um, another question, uh, getting back to uh, uh, maybe related to the to the fish and, and other other foods, um, we have someone from Connecticut wondering um, about: Is it possible to decrease inflammation through very kind of simple herbs, turmeric, 
garlic, black pepper, etc. Any of those have a, an impact on your inflammation? Well, nutraceutical people would say yes. Um, they yeah. all those have antioxidant effects. So uh, I, I think that's it's probably yeah. a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the one problem is how much do you take because there haven't been serious medical studies on yeah. those. Uh, it becomes just kind of a recommendation of uh, wise people in countries where those herbs are raised have determined through the years kind of what you how much you should take in. Hmm. Well, that's great. That's interesting. We have a caller that wanted to get back to um, uh, some of the research they talked about in terms of how it could lead to um, to, to new drugs, to, to new treatments down the line. Um, we get a lot of questions from people who, who receive injections who um, – in, just like this questioner today, wondering would there be a, a different delivery method for um, for potential new drugs that don't involve injections? Well, the drugs that we're thinking about may be used topically or orally. Um, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, the drug companies do not like oral administration because, of course, the drug goes everywhere. Um, but there are some... Uh, new ideas out there uh, that say that we can target the exact activated cells. Uh, we work with a group of biomedical engineers who specialize in a nanoparticle called a dendromer. And uh, they have put uh, dyes on these dendromers and also drugs on these dendromers. And we've put them uh, intravenously uh, uh, into animals that have had uh, injury to their eye. And very interestingly, uh, the tissue in the eye that took up the dendromer uh, were the activated macrophages that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're hopeful that uh, that may be a way to deliver drugs to the cells that seem to be activated, that you could actually take it orally or maybe an intravenous dose every month or so because the drugs seem to be retained for a long time in these cells. That's interesting. We've touched just a couple more questions. One of them, uh, interesting, Leonard from New Jersey is wondering, is there any research going on about how we can restore uh, damage, restore vision that, that's been lost uh, to AMD? Um, well, there's a, there actually is a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> The stem cell, well, there, there are two approaches. One is mechanical, where they actually put a photodiode array, basically uh, a light-sensing chip on the retina, and uh, have it rigged so that the impulses from that go to the neurons. Now, unfortunately, they have not engineered a chip that has enough pixels in it that you could actually find, see fine objects. You can see light and dark and a door or no door, but that's about the best they've done so far. So that's, that's one approach, and that research is ongoing, actually. There are several companies trying to make a better chip. Uh, in our institute and, and around the country, there's many people taking a second approach, and that is stem cells and not necessarily embryonic stem cells. Now we can make stem cells from uh, cells that are circulating in your body. So they would be from your own 
uh, set of precursors, precursors, so you wouldn't have an immune response to them. And Imran and I have done some work with making those cells into blood vessel progenitors, and we've actually seen them uh, go to uh, blood vessels that have died and repopulate them. So we're actually um, going to try such experiments on our models for geographic atrophy where the choroidal blood vessels are prominently missing uh, to see if these cells will home to uh, those areas and maybe remake a uh, chorea capillaris, which are the capillaries or small blood vessels of the choroid. Uh, and our colleagues here are looking at using those cells and making them into retinal pigment epithelial cells, which are the pigmented bottom cells of retina, and also photoreceptors. So that's, you know, way in the future, kind of like the chip, but that's active research that's going on uh, in both directions. So there is hope that uh, that could regenerate uh, parts of the eye someday. Yeah, well, that's great. It's a very... Uh, very encouraging answer. I think gives us gives us a lot of hope for the future. Um, before we wrap up, is, um, are there any kind of final bits of, of advice that you'd give to uh, to people who have AMD or or care for someone who does? You know, any any kind of final things you'd like them to 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 remember or um, or be thinking about? Well, in terms of your health and delaying the AMD, I, I think we've talked about the important things, and that would be don't smoke, uh, exercise, and uh, taking the antioxidant formulation uh, is probably a very good idea. And I will be um, self-centered at the end here and also ask people to donate their eyes uh, so that people like us can uh, move forward in research and that's done in most states by simply checking a box on the back of your ID or your driver's license. Mm -hmm. uh, it's incredibly valuable tissue. Oh, that's good to hear. Now, Dr. Budo, any, any kind of final uh, thoughts or th things that you'd like families to, to know about or know more about? Well, uh, I think uh, Jerry already uh, very nicely covered all. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, um, like antioxidant or anti-inflammatory uh, uptakes can 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 help uh, in in uh, progression of the AMD. Um, so I think uh, uh, this is all uh, we can uh, right now advise that, uh, like Jerry said, uh, exercises and improve your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. No. This is this is very helpful. It's been a great opportunity to kind of hear what's new in research and how that carries over uh, into people's daily lives, into people's um, future. And as we, you know, to our listeners, as we prepare for future chats, we'd like to just get a, a quick sense of uh, of how we're doing and what what could we maybe do differently in the future. So we have a one question poll. Uh, in the season of political polling, we're going to keep ours to one question, and that's um, if you found today's chat very helpful, please press one. If you found today's chat somewhat helpful, please press two. And if you did not find the chat helpful at all, please press three. So that's one for very helpful, two for somewhat helpful, and three for uh, for not helpful at all. 
And I just want to conclude by thanking Dr. Budo and Dr. Luddy for sharing their research with us today and answering a lot of great questions. And I said, uh, we make this call available as both a, a transcript on our website, which can also be mailed out to you free of charge, as well as an audio file on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, I was very fortunate to receive a lot of very good specific advice today, so that will be in the, the, the transcript. But it's also in our publication, Macular Degeneration Essential Facts, which you can receive free of charge uh, by staying on the line at, at the end of this call. And looking forward to our next chat, uh, we're going to be very relevant to the seasons, and that's um, for most of us in this country, the days are getting shorter, the nights are you know, getting uh, getting longer and darker. So that's what we're going to look at at our next chat, November 30th, as we head into the holiday season. We're going to look at the, sh at, at the impact of short days and long nights and how low light and other challenges um, of, of this time of year uh, impact uh, uh, your vision health and, and your overall um, health and your daily life. So that's going to be on November 30th. You can stay on the line and you'll get registered for that automatically. And um, we hope that uh, that you can join us. So again, Dr. Dr. Sputo and Dr. Vladis, really appreciate you being so helpful today and also for, for dedicating your careers to trying to improve sight for millions of people all around the world. And, and it's really just wonderful work. So we just want to thank you for, for all that you do. Thank you. I, I especially um, thanks to Bright Focus uh, for supporting uh, our research. Uh, it was really a great support. And uh, I really thank you for that, and uh, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you, Michael. Oh, our, our pleasure, and to our to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And you can always visit us and the website brightfocus.org, and you can call toll free at any time, 800-437-2423. That's 800-437-2423. And um, if you have any questions or comments, or would like to receive some of the publications we mentioned today, uh, please stay on the line. So on behalf of everybody at Bright Focus, thank you very much. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.